Well, good morning. I'm going to cover chapter 10 in the book today, but I'm going to be deviating from it to a degree because my heart is to be able to focus a bit today upon those of you who are yet maybe to have children or those who continue to have children at home. Hopefully I will not leave the rest of us out of this with reference to our children grown and gone. Uh, But that's what is going to be part of our focus from chapter 10. I'm sorry for bouncing ahead to that particular chapter, but as I've mentioned to you, different ones are assigned different chapters and then dates change or things that are going on, so we've had to bounce around in our book. I, I still do. And you've already seen our, our wedding picture, so I thought I'd show you. So, no, wait a minute. That's my grandpa and grandma. Don't laugh at my grandpa and grandma. Aren't they a handsome couple? Amen. And I, I thought I'd show you that because my other grandfather, I, I didn't get to know he died fairly early. So this is my grandpa and grandma on my mom's side. And Grandpa uh, Bartles, he's the farmer. That's where I've got this uh, DNA in me about uh, the country and the farm and the milk and cows and all that stuff that went on, the horses, yeah, all that up there in Wisconsin. I, another reason I thought I would uh, make reference to Grandpa is that he was such a source of wisdom in my life, just a wise man that I, I do miss him very much. And he didn't always offer wisdom to me without me asking, but on one occasion he did offer wisdom to me without asking, and that was, he said, if that woman, uh, Deborah, is willing to marry you, you best marry her. (laughs) So, okay, Grandpa, you know, I did so. So, yeah, here we are then, chapter 7, chapter 10, excuse me, Ah, defining moment. When the kids leave, but it's going to be a while. I, may, I might not even get there to us uh, this morning with reference to that. But I want to start in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1. If you want to turn there, you can turn there. If not, it's on the overhead, but I wanted to start there and pray at this point. Pray at this point. Good to see all of you. Dave and Patricia, glad you repented and came back to us, even if it's just for a day. Good to, good to see you. Uh, all of you this morning. Father, thank you for your mercy and grace and goodness and love and care for us as your children. To be able to address you as Father, to have access to you through your Son that makes us sons, daughters in Christ. Incredible truth. And we are, so many of us have been given this task, some will face it later, and, and uh, some are in it right now with reference to marriage and then this incredible thing of, of being gifted little sanctifiers, yes, children, and to bring them up in the faith in the Lord. And, and we thank you that there is your divine enablement in your Son to assist us in the calling to which you give all of us. We'll give you praise for that. So bless our time together this morning for your glory, for our good, the good of the church, but that it would renown to your glory. And thank you so much for what you've done for us in the finished work, finished work 
of the Lord Jesus Christ on behalf of our salvation. And we pray these things in his name. And everyone said, amen. And I wanted to start with Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1, because it reminds us, and we're familiar probably with this chapter in Ecclesiastes as much as any other one, that life is filled with various seasons, right? It really is. And if there is one constant in the Christian life, the constant is that things are changing all the time. Things are changing. And the issue for us is whatever God brings into our life, the changes that he brings into us personally or into our marriage or into our family, are we walking with the Lord, right with him, and are we going to respond to those things in a way that's going to honor the God of heaven? Because change is the ongoing constant of what's taken place. And with reference to speaking to the ones who are, are yet to perhaps have a family or those who have children at home right now and talking about this topic about when they uh, leave, leave the nest, although I can't use that word, the nest, because my wife reminds me all the time we ain't birds, okay? We as people, but when, when they're not home and we can think, especially when they are little or in that nursery back there, that that's an eternity away. And the rest of us are going, "Uh uh-uh, it happened so fast. Can the rest of us say amen? So fast it's taken place. We've got this little uh, six-month-old now pumpkin in our our lives, that uh, little girl. uh, We don't know what to do with a granddaughter, but uh, we're having fun just uh, watching her already, just starting to change, and what a wonderful thing it is to have her for two hours. And as my dad used to say, it's wonderful to see you come, and it's even greater to see you go and hand, hand, the, hand the little one back. Now, in this chapter, there's some topics that he is, uh, he's driving home for us. One has to do with expectations. We've all got expectations of marriage. We've got all expectations about parenting, about our children, what's going to go on there with reference to them and expectations about relationships. Then if our children grow and are gone or married and what is our now expectations of our children with reference to us and so forth. So he talks about that quite a bit in the chapter and it can be interesting how different people have different expectations of their children. He talks a great deal about the topic of authority. I'm just, key things he's hitting in this chapter. I'm going to come back certainly to this issue of authority. And that definitely changes and changes in ways that we want to see change. More about that in a little bit. And as a couple that's had three daughters, and you have that father or mother, but father key, I think, role in the life with with reference to a daughter. And then all of a sudden this, uh, this gorilla comes into the you know, into the picture with reference to now, you know, the authority is shifting and now you have to remember to say things like, well, ask your husband, you know, ask your husband because now there's been an authority, a change that takes, that takes place. More about that in a little bit. And then all of these things, and he's big on this, lead to the third thing. Oh, there we go, to the issue of adjustments. And I'm just saying all of life is an adjustment, but it's an adjustment, adjustment as it relates to our children, particularly married children, and to us in terms of uh, traditions that we may have that our children may not have. 
views about things. Uh, how, how, is there anybody here this morning that were like Deborah and I when we were uh, first married? A vacation for us was going home and seeing our folks. That was vacation. I've discovered that's not vacation with reference to our kids. <laughs> we want especially the ones that are farther away. Wait a minute, you're on vacation? We haven't seen you. <laughs> you're supposed to be with, be with us. We got, we've got these adjustments that we have to... Oh man, we've got adjustments because... Our children do not parent exactly how we parented. They're a little bit left of perfect. Amen, you know? <laughs> you know, and uh, adjusting to, you know, how are we going to, we're not supposed to take over and we're supposed to be on their team and, and so forth. So would you just agree with me with reference to this and our children and things going on in our children's lives? And when they get married, there are adjustments and there are expectations and there are things about with reference to Authority. Now, at this point, not from the chapter, but from Pastor Kevin, I want to back up the truck for a while. And I want to talk about before your children lead home, leave home. <clears throat> or before your children uh, get married. I think I might be able to say I've been to more or done more weddings <laughs> than probably anybody in the room. That doesn't make me an expert, but it does make me someone who has a lot of observations about watching this and how, how things particularly go on. So I, I want to spend some time this morning, and that's why I ask for some of you just to come up a little bit closer who have the children yet at home. And I want to talk about before they are grown and before they are gone and just the present prep, preparation stage and parenting stage in their life, realizing life is a vapor we don't own our children. We don't own our own lives, and we don't own our children. Psalm 127, they're a gift from God. And how long we, we have them is up to him. So we want to redeem the time and everything in life. Can you say amen to that? We want to redeem the time that we have to the glory of God. So I'm going to ask you some questions and make some statements here. The people who are here today, like Deborah and I, your children are grown and gone. You can just say, well, Thank the Lord he's not after me today. But you can also think about the fact of how are you on the team of our younger people in our church who have the children yet. And in this, if I don't get to it, in this new stage of life where the children are gone, how are you maximizing the time and now that you have new opportunities and different ways to serve God? Hmm. Talk to this couple about that in terms of now to stage in their life, how they are able at, in, in this way to, to serve the Lord in, in various ways. And, and I want you to think about that. Also, I want us to remember, in case I wouldn't get to this, all of, all of us who are parents, we never stop parenting in one sense or another. We always want to be on their team. We want to pray for our children. Everybody say amen to that? We want to continue to pray for our children, pray for our children's marriages. We want to be a source of help. We want to be a source of wisdom. As I was reflecting upon my dad this week, uh, just thinking how much I miss him. And I remember uh, him at times traveling from Wisconsin to be down here at Indiana. One of those times we were putting that roof on the, on the house, and Dad's found out about that. He gets in the car, he comes, he comes down, he's climbing up on the roof to, to just be on our team. Or the fact, I remember especially this time of year, that when Deborah and I moved from uh, Wisconsin down to Indiana, they, they helped us move, and they drove down. And my dad had really bad hay fever in Wisconsin. 
And I remember when the, just seeing him get out of the car here in Indiana, it was like he was crying. I mean, the hay fever in this, uh, you know, we live in the armpit of America, amen, in Indiana, and the hay fever. But being on my team and an example to, to us to be on our children's team, all the ones that kids are grown and gone. Can you say amen to that? We want to, we want to be for them. We want to be available to them. We want to love them and help them any way that we can. But those who have children yet at home are going to ask some questions, make some statements with reference to right now. That's my heart for you as much as anything else this morning. And the first question that I want to ask you before they're grown and gone, before they're grown and gone, I want to ask you as Christian parents, trust that's what you are, Christ is the Lord of your home, Are you preparing your child for marriage or are you preparing them for life? Why would I ask you that? I think it would be obvious to you or I hope it would be obvious to you why you're preparing your child for marriage or for life because you might be able to, it might be possible that you put expectations on your children that that is not right for you to do so. What if your children don't get married? Well, they don't get married. What if they're a little bit past the time you think they ought to be married and then every time they're coming home, you're asking like, hey, is there anybody in your life yet? Is that your goal? See, or, or, or are you preparing them for life? What, is, what, is that, what does that mean? What if they don't get married? Or what if they don't get married right away with reference to when you think, my mom got married when she was 16. We tried to hide that from our three girls as long as we possibly could. Boy, that was, that was too early. My, my, if you're looking for a number, it's at 40. Daughter is not married before they're, before they're 40. Is what you want most for, from your children to be married or that they've got to give you grandkids? Or is what you want most for your children to be living for the Lord? That you would be able to say, oh, our children, they know the Lord, they're walking with the Lord, they're growing in the Lord, they're serving the Lord. If you could say that with reference to your children, I personally feel I can now go die and go to heaven, if that's true, with reference to our, to our children. Or we could say this, because I'm just talking about getting them ready for life. What, what if your son or daughter is married, but they're not living for the Lord? Now you've got a burden, correct? So I thought I, I remembered a, a, a guy that found out that I had three daughters, and he said to me, you make sure your daughters all have a good education. Make sure they have a good education so they can get a good job because if those bums don't take good care of them or leave them, they can still go and get a good job and take care of themselves and their children. Yeah. Is, that my jo- is that my goal in reference to my daughters? Goodness, how sad. It made me think about somebody that's uh, in our missions team uh, here and has, is continuing to be a blessing to us. Do I have her? There's Anna Shurik. There's our... Our gal that's serving the Lord with, I always have to write it down because it's a little bit longer group, with Reach Global Crisis Response. We support her as a church. She's on our missions team. And I don't know how old Anna is, and I don't know if Scott or, I don't know, we should even know that necessarily. 
Last time Anna was back with us, how you doing? You know, she's all smiled and excited, and what's going on? Well, how long are you going to be around? She said, just a couple days, then I'm going to go visit some people, uh, I think, in the Colorado area. Then I get back to the a crisis response team and find out what's next. If you, get the, if you get the letter or you get the report, missions report or update with people like uh, uh, Anna, and she talks about what the Lord's doing in her life and so forth. And I just want to say this. Number one, she's happy. Number two, she's growing. Number three, she's serving. And number four, she's not married. But somebody had the right things on top there. And if mentioning Scott and Lori as parents, I know they'd give all glory to God. And I think the possibility is if that some uh, knight in shining armor came into her life, I'm not sure that she would reject that. But I'm just driving home the fact, what are we preparing our kids for? Hopefully we're preparing our kids for life in a fallen world and living for the God that we profess and that we believe is worthy of living for as Christian parents. Okay, enough of that. Number two, before they're grown and gone, I want to ask those that have children home yet at this time, then as parents, what are your primary goals for your children? What do you... What are you trying to uh, accomplish there uh, with reference to them? What are your goals? What are your goals, Christian parents? Train them up in the way they ought to go, right? Preparing for them for life, bringing them up in, in the faith. How are we going about that? Just wanted to review just some passages that I think are so significant worth remembering. Here is the example of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is our example in all things. This is, how, this is how we've prayed for our kids and how we pray for our grandkids. Our Lord Christ, here he is at uh, 12. Um, Jesus kept increasing in, what's the first one? In, what's the second one? And, and what else? In favor with, and with favor with. And the reason that I wanted to go to the example of that is that of those four various aspects of his growth and development, as parents, we're involved in three of the four. Kept increasing in wisdom, well, we are certainly got that going on with reference to parents, do we not? And we think about the book of what? What book in the Old Testament we think about immediately? The book of Proverbs. Book of Proverbs. We get wisdom. Jesus, Jesus learned obedience, Hebrews 5, 8, by the things that he suffered. So here we are. We're involved in that thing. We're not involved in stature, that is physically, that's up to the Lord, but we just keep feeding them. (laughs) And in favor with God, we certainly want them to know who God is and what kind of God that he is, and we're praying for God to do a work in their hearts that he might bring them to himself, amen? And we are remembering, we are remembering, if you've got children at home, that every circumstance that is a discipline or a correction circumstance, we are reminded of the fact that we are sinners, and sinners need hope, they need a gospel. So every discipline circumstance is an opportunity for the hope of the gospel. Mom and dad need the gospel, the kids need the gospel. God sent us Jesus to deal with our sin problem. Can we say amen to that? So we have opportunity in that, in favor with God and in favor with men, and developing our children with reference 
to how to relate to other people and teachers and coaches and neighbors and friends and all of that and how to have God's kind of uh, friends in, in their lives. Just made me think when I talk about wisdom there. Hear my son, your father's instruction. Do not forsake your mother's teaching. Now I realize many will argue this is, you know, King so- uh, the father to Solomon, you know, king to the son, whatever else. But this is a, certainly has everything to do with you and I and, and our children gaining wisdom. And by the way, the, 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 the idea in the book of, of Proverbs concerning wisdom, wisdom is not the, just the better life. Wisdom is the path to life. Repeated in the Proverbs, there is a way which seems right to a man, but the end thereof is destruction. So this is is crisis with us. This This is mandate with us. This is urgent with us. And bringing wisdom, I love Wearsby's definition, that wisdom is helping our children see life from God's point of view. Isn't that good? Seeing it from God's point of view. What's right, what's wrong, what's good, what's not good, what God says about every aspect of life. There it is repeated again in Proverbs 6.20. Observe the commandments of your father and do not forsake the teaching of your mother. Well, here's another verse that not, you're, you're so familiar with, but I just want to bring it home to our thinking because I want to say a couple of things about it. I, I understand that the great Shema is with reference to the nation of Israel. And Moses is reminding them there's only one God, the Lord God. And he's bringing the emphasis with reference to obeying the law. We say summarized in the Decalogue and much to say about that in a little bit later. But then these words which he's brought with reference to God's will, with reference to the law, which I'm commanding you today shall be on your, everybody say it, on your what? Yeah, I can do that. Here's how. You're to teach them diligently to your sons and talk of them when you sit in the house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. In other, in other words, the mandate for the uh, dads and moms of Israel with reference to their children was to bring God into everything in life. Make, I love the way Adam says it, to make God the very environment of our children. What's he doing with our family? What about this situation? We're wondering, what should we do here? How should we respond to this coach? And all these things, making God the environment. That means, that means dads and moms with kids at home, you're talking about the Lord around the dinner table a lot. And you're asking this question a lot with reference to your children. What would God have us to do to please him in this situation? What would he have us to do? Where is he in this? And then we're pointing to this great God of ours in creation. Hasn't he given us a beautiful day, by the way? Amen? Yeah. In creation and all the circumstances of life. Boy, what a parenting passage. What a parenting passage. Then I have another question, I think, concerning this, or maybe another, oh, yeah. You know, here's the big one in the New Testament. Fathers. Fathers, isn't it amazing how we have such a crisis in our world today of the absence of fathers and impact upon young people, an absence of, uh, of, of, of right response to authority and so forth. 
The enemy knows what it's doing. Sure knows what it's doing. Fathers. Passive fathers. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. We could say of the faith. And those two words, discipline and instruction, are so loaded with what we're doing hands-on with that child and guiding and directing and dealing with things. It's the hands-on, and then the other has to do with placing into the mind. Or, I love the way Tripp says it, or shepherding the shepherding the heart, going after the heart. And we do that with truth, and we do that with the Word of God. So there's such a great responsibility that we have in raising our children. And all of this is the preparatory for any kind of relationship in the future. All right. Next question. I only have 70. Hang in there, okay? Before they're grown and gone. Here's the next one. As you are bringing up your children in the faith, is the priority of your marriage evident to your children? Now, why do I ask you that question? Priority of your marriage. This uh, husband and wife thing, is that permanent on this side of glory? The relationship with our children is a temporary one in the sense of preparing them to become independent adults on their own. So we've got a priority here. We have a priority. And it's easy when you have children, all of a sudden, boy, you want to do things right and you want to, you want to be God's kind of parents and you've got all kinds of plans for them. As soon as you find out that your wife is pregnant, you go out and you buy a minivan, right? You get ready to transport them to all the stuff and, well, you know, But I ask that question because, and I've seen it plenty of times in the church as in in the world, in all of our taking responsibility to raise God's kind of children, it's possible for us to have child-centered homes. Even idolatry. That they become the focus of their lives. And let me tell you something about children, if you don't know it yet, be prepared for this. If God gives you children one day, they believe that you're supposed to have child-centered homes. They believe God made you to make them happy. And so one of the things that you're working on while you're investing yourself in your children and loving your children is to also remind them they are not the center of the universe. Let me tell you a second reason that it happens with reference to the potential of a a child-centered home. And that is, if Deborah and I were not hitting on all cylinders, then where does the focus go? On the children. Or I might even say that to an extreme your marriage isn't what it ought to be, maybe you're trying to make up for that with reference to the kids. That isn't going to work. That isn't going to work. A little town that Deborah and I grew up in, our family lived one block away from the United Methodist Church that we attended. You, you, you ought to be never late for church if you live one block away, right? And I remember summer times, it was just a good memory. You know, the family, we'd We'd walk to church together, and 
This, is, this would be about, on a, on a good day, about the size of the whole church that, that I grew up, uh, grew up in. And there was a family that attended with us. I wish my sister was here. To, we're 11 and a half months apart. <clears throat> my sister and I, I wish she was here because she would remember this. There was a family that attended that church with us. They had one child. They had one daughter. And every week, that mom would dress that little girl like Cinderella. I mean the whole nine yards, different colors, you know, whatever else. And so it was, it was always a little bit like, let's see how she's dressed her today. <laughs> and she'd come in with a silver dress and shoes and a little curl hair, everything but the wand or something, you know. And I remember also, remember seeing the dad, and I knew him because I, when I was a teen, I worked where, where he worked for a while, and I remember the dad being off over there like, yeah. You know, like that. That's, I didn't know anything about child-centered homes, but I sure could see it with reference to there. I'm thankful for a time. I was not, um, I was not a, the best obedient son by all means, and I, one of my spiritual gifts as a youth was driving my mother up a wall. And I, one of the times that I really, some of you have heard this, that I really had my mom in a fit and, and she was crying and she was upset and she walked out of the house and, and I said, well, good, now I'm in charge, you know, and my dad, came in a, a, my dad came in a little bit later and got in my face. I thought he was going to punch my running lights out. Can I say it that way? But the words that he said stayed with me to this day. He said, my wife, you don't treat my wife ever like that again. All of a sudden I thought, Dad, what's wrong with you? I'm the center of my universe. I'm the center of your universe. What what is this? All of a sudden it hit with me. Maybe there's somebody more important (laughs) in my life than me. You're wondering why I'm even teaching today when you realize (laughs) where I came from. He said, my wife. We weren't Christians. We have enough sense to say that. Priority. Priority with reference to your wife, your husband. So, uh, are, are you, then I have one more question I think here with this category. I, I said I may not get out of this, but I, my heart is for you this morning. And that is this. Are you fully aware that the primary training ground for your children to be brought up in the faith is not the church? I mean, you really got that down. How many times I've had parents say to me, I don't know, we brought them to church. We brought them to church. And I wanted to say, yeah, that's what you did. But the other days, the other time, or the rest of that Sunday and the other six days, guess where they were? They were in the, they were in the home. Now I could spend the rest of the hour praising God for all of the influence upon our children by the church, by people in the body of Christ. I could spend the rest of the hour telling you how important, how necessary, how God has designed for you as a family, the church, the other people that are parenting likewise, and the source of wisdom of these others whose children have grown and gone is a source of wisdom for you. 
I could tell you, I could name names. I, just, I could talk about Lee Hathaway. Lee's in heaven now at this time, but I could talk about Lee Hathaway's impact upon our firstborn, upon Greta, our daughter, who's now in local church ministry by the grace of God with her husband. We, we weren't looking for that. We weren't trying to train her to have to be married to a, um, a, a youth pastor. But when we were in the little building over there on the corner and we decided, well, let's, we've got some people coming with children. Maybe let's have a, a Sunday school. So Lee said she'd be willing to teach the children of this age. We only had one. It was our daughter. It was Greta. Lee was a trip. I, I remember saying to Lee, well, Lee, we have some material with reference to this age group that you might want to use with reference to our daughter. She said, Material? I got the Bible. What do I need? I got the Bible. And there they were just, just our little, little daughter and Lee in that little room. It's about the size of a big closet, you know. But the impact that that woman had upon our life being on our team and her seeing Lee teach her the word. But the main thing is us. It is not the church. It is not the church. Proverbs 22.6, we can all quote it, Right? What? Train up the child to go, and when they're old, they'll not depart from it. That's our prayer. It's not an absolute guarantee, but it is a basic true principle. If you're not in agreement with that, remember, I'm not the senior pastor, okay? (laughs) But that was not given to the church. It's given to you and I, reference to children. We're in the ministry. We have we have children. So I, I wanted to bring these things to bear to remind you the basic responsibility that we have. And then I want to just stop and tell you that when we're on track and trying to be God's kind of people and God's kind of parents and trying to be faithful to the Word of God and bringing the Word of God and the truth of God and the priority of God in our home and in our family and talking about the Word and teaching these things, I want you to know you have God on your side with that. And he will bless you and he will help you. He will honor it. He will honor it. Okay, now we've got some time left, so let's talk about when your son or daughter is ready to leave. Ready to leave. Three daughters and a son. Daughters left too early. Son, we wanted out of there before he left. (laughs) Grocery bill really went down fast when he left. I'm here to tell you. And he still thinks he has an interest in our refrigerator. (laughs) Really, really. You can't touch his. But he thinks he has an interest in our refrigerator. Transfer of authority is what you're looking for. Now, what do I mean by that? Give me some time here, but I just want to quote from the book. I haven't been in quoting to you the book. I'm just going to say to you, I want to say this to you humbly, and if it comes across any way in pride, forgive me in advance, but that's not my favorite chapter in the book, okay? But he talks about the issue of authority quite a bit and, and the idea. There's, a, there's somewhat of an implication, uh, impl, impl, implying, there's somewhat, somewhat implies in the book that the children leaving or the children, whether just independent to the faith or whether in marriage, that it's, some, it's a little bit like a crisis. And I want to say just the opposite, that it ought to be the greatest day, one of the greatest days of your life. 
because you've worked hard with God on your team to prepare them for that, and you'd like dad and mom and grandpa and grandma and everybody else that knows them to say, boy, we see the Lord in this thing. And one of the reasons this is on my heart today is I've had so many where I'm supposed to try to pull this thing off in premarital counseling, or I've got parents who are kind of succumbing to the decision of the children, and they're hoping that thing might work out. And just think about the fact that you spend years of your life to glorify God, to build truth and Christ into their lives. We realize that there's a bottom line in all of this, and that is we can't save our kids. God has to do a work in their hearts, right? And we pray for God to do a work in their heart for them to love Jesus as we love Jesus, and we pray for that. But it ought to be, and it can be, such a great day. But this transfer of authority has a comment about that, how, how time is spent, the frequency of being together, where holidays happen, your expectations for seeing grandchildren, the way counsel opinions are shared, all of these glorious blessings must move out of the realm of authority and expectations into the realm of affluence and collaboration. So that, just that idea of a, talking about authority makes me want to deal with or to convey to the fact when it comes to preparing them the center, when they're ready to leave or when they're ready to be married, I want to assert to you this morning as it relates to the issue of authority that a transfer of authority is what you are looking for in your child's life. Now, let me tell you what I mean by that by first asking you a question. If, if, if you have, if your desire, and I'm, I'm sure it is, living for the Lord, if your desire then is to have a Christian home you know, if, if, you're, if your child is being brought up in what you, you desire to be a, a Christian home, then the, the issue is, and I ask you a question, then what's your authority? Well, you all want to raise your Bible right now and say it's the book, right? This authority right here. It's the Word. It's been asking the question with reference to your kids. Well, what does the Bible say about this? What does what God want us to do in, in this scenario? So your authority is the scriptures. Joshua 24, 15, won't turn there. As for me and my house, we will what? I serve the Lord. That's, that's the desire of your heart with your children. Okay, okay. What do you want to see in your child's, your children's life, especially, I would say, especially, particularly, you want to see it really developing in adolescence? Our family lives for the Lord. Our family lives for the Lord. Great. Praise God. The Bible is our authority. Hey, praise God. What do I want to see in my child? Really developing in adolescence. It's this. The authority of the scriptures is not just our family's authority. It's it's my authority. It's my authority. This is how I live. And so you're hearing your child say, this is, this is what I did or what I didn't do, and this is the decision that I made, because now it's not a matter of 
this is what I have to do because what our family does, we hope that it's not true with that, but even if it is, that's the way it's going to be. But now they're saying, ah! It's not our faith, but now they're saying it's my faith. It's not how we live, but now they're saying it's how, everybody say it, it's how I live. I like the example of Daniel. We say dare to raise a Daniel. Amen? You open the book of Daniel. He's a teen. He's a teen. Somebody did their job. Amen? With Daniel. Man, he's got convictions. What an easy way it would have been for Daniel. Maybe I'll do chapter one next time I have an opportunity to preach. Because what an easy way it would have been for Daniel. Didn't have anybody there on his case or to bring him back to coming under the law would have been an easy way for Daniel to compromise. To compromise. But man, stayed right with what he understood the law to require and made an appeal in the right way. So I'm talking about authority. We're after that because we want to see our children desire to come under God's authority because they love the Lord and because they love the Lord Jesus Christ. And we want to see them living biblical convictions. We're working for that transfer of, of authority based upon a heart, a heart for the Lord. And I want to say one more time, please forgive me if it sounds selfish, but that doesn't get pulled off in premarital counseling. Now we want to have a Christian marriage. What's that mean? We want you to put your stamp of approval on this thing and say the words and be married in the church and whatever else. But in the context of that uh, premarital counseling, we say, okay, let's start in Philippians 2, 3, and 4. Let's memorize those particular verses because they have to do with following the example of Jesus and being a servant. And, and we know that if there's anything that's going to be tough in your marriage, it's going to be the fact that it's very easy for us to be selfish people. I'm not selfish anymore, but they say that can happen to people. Amen? Right? Right? And you got, you got, maybe you got a young guy in there, or not picking on the guys or whatever. He goes, well, why do I have to memorize the Scripture? See? I mean, you don't want to come under this authority, but you want to have God's kind of marriage? You think you have challenges now? We were at a, a marriage, we had a marriage uh, conference one time many years ago, and somebody asked the question, you know, describe your, describe your marriage. A guy jumped up right away and he said, Work! <laughs> Amen to that, right? Amen to that. Okay, transfer of authority. We want to see that. We want to see them taking ownership of the faith. Uh, I want to s- express this another way because I believe it's expressed in the, in the scriptures so well likewise. When your son or daughter is ready to leave, here's another way to look at this. And discipleship leading to maturity is what you're working for. Discipleship is a wonderful word to convey what it is, what we're about in our home. God's given us little ones to disciple in the faith. Colossians 1.28 is not talking about parenting, but it is talking about Paul, the apostle, Paul's goal, goal with his disciples. And what he says with reference to his disciples is so relevant to us with reference to our children. We proclaim him. Who's the him? Back up in the previous verse, it's Jesus Christ. Admonishing every man, beautiful word, nutheo, to warn, admonish, or instruct. To warn or admonish, to instruct. 
admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom. Well, that's what we're about. So that we may present every man complete in Jesus Christ, Colossians 1.28. Well, that, that has everything to do with what we're doing in parenting. So a wonderful way to keep in mind or, or think about what it is that we're doing, we're discipling. We're discipling someone in the faith and hoping that, trusting, not hoping, trusting that through that discipling, God's going to do likewise a work in their life. One more thing, and I've only got two minutes for this, and it's probably good. But when your son or daughter is ready to leave, I want to assert to you this morning they honor you as parents by seeking your consensus in choosing a husband or a wife. Here's that little pumpkin that you've given 22 years of your life to. And she comes in the door some evening and she's holding hands with this big gorilla. And she says, hey, Dad, Mom, you know, Joey and I are going to get married. Who? You know? And that's this guy maybe that uh, came to the door a couple of times and picked up your girl. I'm just talking with reference to girls having three of them. Picked up your daughter and took off and going to spend time alone. You don't even know who he is. I want to spend three hours on dating today. But by the grace of God, I'm not going to get in trouble on that one. Okay? But I just want to say to you in closing, because we've got one minute, you are raising that child, drilling into that child. And listen, I understand our world. Whew. My mother-in-law used to say all the time, her saying was, I may look like grass, but I ain't green. I ain't green about our world. Kids are way ahead of us. So far ahead of us, it's scary. Okay? But I'm saying if you're doing your job, you're talking with that child a lot about how God is going to help them, guy or gal, help them, your children, know his will for the person that they would one day, if it be so, marry. Why? Because you require, you got to know that person likewise. (laughs) We had this one simple rule with reference. Our rule doesn't have to be yours. But with three girls, we had this one simple rule about when our daughter and and Greta and Leah were kind of first in that, when they wanted to spend time with a young man that wanted to spend time with them, and that young man was saying, well, can I come get you do something? And we would say no. The first time that any young man who wants to spend time with you has come to the house and play games with us. Do you realize how many that took care of? <laughs> do you have any idea? Or, or one time and they're gone. It was wonderful. We even had one guy, you'll, we have one guy even ran out of, his, out of his sweatshirt. I had that sweatshirt for several years. I want to know. I've spent those years investing myself in that child. I want to know. And I want to come to that day and everybody say, oh man, we can see the Lord's in this. We've got to know that young man. We've got to know that young lady. You're, t- you're teaching for that. You're teaching for that. You're teaching for that. And you're teaching them to honor you, Ephesians 6, 2. Honor your father and mother. By the way, don't miss the other part that's a warning. So that may be well with you in the land.
I want to encourage you. I want to, I want to warn you in love. I want to call you to faithfulness in this area. And I want, to, want you, the, the ones that have children yet at home, I want you to rejoice one day in how God's working in their lives because you've done your job and we trust God. He does his job all the time and that would be a wonderful phase um, of your life. Let's pray together, could we? <clears throat> Father, thank you for your word. Uh, sort all the stuff that uh, was said by me today through the grid of truth. If it doesn't fit in the grid of truth, it's, then it's, it's, it's not primary with us at all. But thank you for this great privilege that you give us called marriage. <laughs> thank you for grace in the lives of those who, I think about families even right now, they've got children that have grown and, and, and they're on their own like a, like a Anna, and you haven't given them a life partner. They may be open to that or have a heart for that, but they're growing and they're serving, and we want that with our children. We want your perfect will in their lives. And if they're single, then their calling is singleness until that would be changed. And that we would, not, we would not produce idols in our children's lives and we would not have child-centered homes and that we would be so grateful for the privilege that we have to serve you in a marriage and in a family and that we would be faithful to you in all the adjustments in life that you give to us in the years that you give to us. And for your glory and for your honor, we pray these things. And everybody said...